<laughs> okay. <laughs> that means I'm overzealous people in the front. They have not heard me preach yet. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Might as well put it down now. <laughs> All right, uh, morning, everyone. <laughs> Let me just catch a breather. Cool. So, I just want to say welcome to everyone. Welcome to everyone online, whether you're watching in the UK or internationally. Welcome to the annual. I had six weeks to write a preach, but only wrote it in the last week. <laughs> I don't know what it is about me, especially when I um, think about writing preaches. I really get into my head quite a lot. And so, actually, what tends to happen is that if I write it really early, I find it impossible to leave it alone. So like, I write it really early and I think, oh, and then you, like, I lie awake at night thinking, oh, I should probably add that. What if that joke doesn't bang? Barry's not here to give me a free laugh. It's really like, <laughs> I get really in my head a lot. And I know like, this sounds like really surprising to you because you know, I'm so cool and chill and I don't look like an overthinker at all. And to that, I say, my therapist says thank you. So, <laughs> so really interesting. Some of you laughed, some of you did the awkward. <laughs> Did he just say he had a therapist? Slightly looking to the, I'm not gonna expose the people that did the awkward like free laugh, even though I really appreciate it. But actually what I really wanted to do was start with a bit of vulnerability there to kind of give a bit of context um, around about what I'm talking to. I'm talking about internal battles this morning. And actually, um, I think it's really important, especially when preaching on a subject, I wanna be able to kind of be open and be really honest with you. And when, oh, sorry. When thinking about what to and what to preach and what to share, this that wasn't actually the main bit that I wanted to share. I've been going back and forth about whether I wanted to share this, and it's been really, really tough. It's actually been something that I've been struggling with for quite, for quite a while. And I thought, actually, you know what? I'm online. I'm exposing myself in front of everyone. I'm around family, and so I thought it's going to be really important for me if I'm talking about internal battles that I really share what's going on deep within inside me. And don't, like, it's okay, like, I've had a chat with Pastor Barry about it, so I'm not allowed, I'm about to like, shock everyone. Pastor Barry's not gonna spit out his chips in America and go, what, what the heck? It's not gonna be a surprise to him, but I feel like it's really important that I come in front of you as family and kind of share where I'm at. Cool, so, what I wanted to say was that um, I've started watching football again, and it's really, <laughs> and I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, sorry, just give me a sec. But your family, and I really felt like I could, I could say it because, and if you're watching online, I will totally understand if you decide to switch off right now, I get it. Please, I get it. People in the building can't go anywhere because I've asked the host team to seal all exits, but please, I know for years I've stood up here for you as your anti-football champion. I've... I've seen the looks you give me every time another anecdote comes about football when someone mentions Liverpool unnecessarily. I felt it and I just feel like as family I've really let you down. And I've come to church week after week and it's been especially because Arsenal are at the top of the table and I've been ha really holding it. Really holding it deep in my heart. I've been sneaking off looking at football scores in the bathroom. Running upstairs watching match of the day whilst Becky's not watching. And I can't live a double life anymore. And I, 
<laughs> but what I wanted to say was, I know it sounds silly, but ultimately, I genuinely, for the past couple of weeks, I felt like a bit of an imposter. <laughs> and I know that loads of people come to church feeling like an imposter, feeling like they don't actually belong, feeling like actually there might actually be eyes on them thinking about what they're doing in the shadows and what, what's going on and struggling with what's going on inside of them. And ultimately, when people come to that point where they feel like they're an imposter or where they feel like they don't belong, they end up searching for answers, especially in the wrong places, a lot of the wrong places. I see it all the time at work. I'm a teenager. I wo- I'm a teenager. I'm a teacher. What a slip. <laughs> I work with teenagers. What a Freudian slip that was. Clearly, I wish I was still a teenager with no responsibility. I'm a teacher. I work with teenagers all the time, and I, I see them looking for answers in their identity in the wrong places. And I see it all the time in, with adulthood. I see people look for their identity in work, in the opposite sex. Can I be real? People looking for their identity in church. But in the wrong parts of church. Ultimately, when we come to serve in church, your identity is in Christ. Your identity is in Christ, not in church. But you find your identity in how you worship Christ within church. And yet, I know that a lot of people often come to church and serve again and again and again, searching for that source of validation to kind of fill that gap that they're looking for. And they think by serving every single week on a team that they're going to get that source of validation when it's not about what you serve or how many times you serve in church on a Sunday, but it's about where your heart is when you're serving. Amen? And that's why sometimes you see people come to church week in, week out, and you think, oh, wow, they're serving loads, but they end up feeling burnt out. And you're thinking, what's going on with that person? Surely, surely their head should be in the right place, but we need to analyze about what's going on inside the heart. It needs to come from a place of worship. Do we need to shift the paradigm of how we see identity in Christ because generally I I think where people are at is that oh because we are sinners now that I identify as a Christian I need everything that I possibly can to strive to perfection and I generally think that's how the world sees church it's a bunch of broken people come to church and trying to do everything as a result afterwards to try and live to a certain set of rules so they can achieve perfection it sounds right but it's not we need to shift the paradigm there. I want to read Romans 5, 8 to 11, if it's available. Oh, what a lad, love it. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we are now have been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen? So let's change that statement. Because of his sacrifice, even though we are still sinners, we are now enabled to achieve perfection. It's not about what we do. It's not about by our own works. That work has already been done on the cross. And yet often people come to church thinking that they have to do more and more and more. And they think it's based on their own acts that they're going to achieve salvation. The work has already been done. Because of his sacrifice, we're able to find perfection and achieve excellence within Christ. And that's why we serve. 
because of what he's already done on the cross. Amen. Now I could end the preach right there. And it'd it'd be really, really good. I could leave it. We could do worship. Those of you that stayed with me past my football confession, I really appreciate it online. But ultimately, I can also understand that for a lot of people, whilst that may be fact and they can read it, it might be difficult to accept in their heart. Because of what's going on within them, and they're aware of their flaws, and they're aware of their iniquity, and it becomes really, really difficult to move on. And I've been there, I get it. it sometimes it's really difficult mentally to kind of get into a headspace to be able to go, you know what, although I can hear it, I'm able to move on, because you get that the loudness in your life. And often this is a barrier to the gospel. Often people come to church and hear the message, and it goes in, but it doesn't resonate within the heart. And this is where people often have that struggle within church and they have that battle within their mind with regard to their mental health. Because whilst they can read the truth, there's so many barriers that need to be broken down first as a result to be able to hear it. And I'm here to say to anyone who feels like that coming into church, you're not the only one. You won't be the first person to feel like that and you're definitely not going to be the last person to be like that. But you're in the right place to be able to receive his spirit this morning. Amen. What I love about the Bible is that it's full of imperfect people trying to achieve that goal. Full of it. The whole point of the Bible is people watching people go struggle with their own iniquity and yet still achieve relationship with the Father. This is not a place where you're meant to dwell in your brokenness. You're meant to dwell in your sin. But you're meant to be uplifted and realize that how much more you're able to achieve within his spirit. So I'm going to talk about two examples in particular. I'm going to talk about Moses. And um, we're going to go to Exodus 3. So what's happened is that uh, Moses grew up as a prince within Egypt, killed someone and ran off, and then found a wife, and then was tending to his sheep. One of the sheep ran off, and he finds a burning bush. Now, before we get to this bit, in verse 6, it actually says that when the bush started talking, Moses hid his face whilst it was speaking. So now, I didn't realize, but as I was reading, I was thinking, so God is saying all of this to him, and the entire time Moses is like this. Can't even look at it. He's hearing it, but he's not even looking. Moses himself has fully like, t- hid his face from the word of God that is coming directly to him. And I'm going to read from it, verse 11 to 14. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So even in the face of a burning bush in front of him, Moses is still like, yeah, not me. Who am I? He has an identity crisis even then because he knows about all the sin that he did previously. And even though God has called him to bring his people out of Egypt, he is still going, not me. I can't do it. I can't do it. And Moses literally does this for about a chapter. So this is chapter three. Even into chapter four, he's still going, I can't do it. God has given him essays about why he should do it. Moses is still like, nah, not me. Does it five times. Moses gives five, on five separate, separate occasions, Moses goes, nope, can't do it. 
So when you, by the time you get to uh, chapter 4, verse 13, this is the fifth one. Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. I totally get it. How many times have you told someone to do something five times and still saying I can't do it? So I get the Lord got angry, but look at what the Lord did. What about your brother Aaron the Levi? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and teach you what to do. Even when you feel like you can't do it, even when you feel like you're not the person, God has already been sorting it out behind the scenes to enable you to have your breakthrough. Amen. My Moses is complaining, and the whole time Moses is complaining, Aaron's already on his way. God has already sorted it. How many times have you said, I can't do this? And you go in and out of your head going, how am I supposed to even move forward? God is already working behind the scenes to allow you to achieve your victory. All that work is done. You don't have to have it all together to be able to receive your breakthrough. You don't have to have it all together to be able to find yourself within Christ. Because the reality is that uncertainty within you will lead to your anxiety. That will feed your anxiety. That uncertainty within you will cause doubt. And what doubt is, is when the sound of your mind gets louder than the call of God in your life. So sometimes your head is just loud. Really, really loud. God forbid I go on a walk with no headphones. What? Just me and my thoughts? No way. No, no. Oh, I'm trying to go to bed and then randomly I'm at 11.30, you think about that weird thing that you did in 1997 that is now suddenly coming back to your mind. However, the point of church and the point of your relationship with the Father is to allow the sound and the call of God to be so loud that it overwhelms every other thought. It takes every other thought captive and lets you know that you are chosen for a specific purpose, amen? Cool. I also want to talk about Elijah. So we see the same again in um, 1 Kings 19. And what happens to Elijah? Elijah's having a back and forth with his king and this woman called Jezebel has basically said, I'm about to finish you. Like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to end you because you've just been causing me trouble for so long. And so Elijah gets to this point. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there whilst he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under a bush and fell asleep. Literally suicidal. Whenever you think, whenever you do a Google search about mental health and depression um, in the Bible, Elijah often comes up. He's one that voiced the fact that he was suicidal. He said he wanted to die. He said he wants it to end. This was too overwhelming. And what happens is that, for me, he left his servant and isolated himself. He removed himself from all the people around him that could have encouraged him. Often what happens is that, especially when you're experiencing or someone is experiencing poor mental health, the instinct is to isolate. The instinct is to remove themselves from everyone else. The problem is, those thoughts that you need to try and take captive, sometimes they just become too loud. And he says it to God, I just want to die. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do it. And then what I like after this, before we get to the next bit, is that the angel of the Lord comes. He falls asleep, 
And the angel of the Lord says, eat something. Falls asleep again, and the angel of the Lord says, eat something. Even when you're feeling suicidal, never underestimate the power of a nap and food. <laughs> this might make you feel bit better. It's there. It's biblical. Never underestimate the power of just have a sleep, have something to eat. You might calm down a little bit. You might have a new perspective. In verse 11, um, it goes on to say that the Lord says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, for the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. The Lord was in the whisper. Sometimes, it's when you're feeling really, really down. You might want to come to church. You might even go to a conference. But it's really, really loud. And you're searching for God in the conference. You're like, yeah, it's going to be great. Everyone's going to be jumping around. You're looking for this really loud, overwhelming experience. And yet you're jumping. And sometimes you might feel a bit empty. You might be having a whale of a time, in fact. But you don't know that the person next to you, who's also kind of going through the motions, still feels really empty. Because they're thinking about some dramatic experience that is going to overwhelm them in that moment. But often God exists, not in the earthquake, not in the wind, not in the fire, but in the whisper. He exists in the whisper. If the noise in your life is too loud, how are you going to hear the whisper? It's really important to remember that fear and anxiety, fear is often false evidence Appearing real. I stole that from Pastor Linda a few years ago. Love you. <laughs> False evidence appearing real. So when you're not solid in church or when you're not solid in the word, it becomes really, really difficult to hear the whisper. It becomes really, really difficult to speak against the loudness that is going on in your life. It's really, really easy for the enemy to start talking. And chat rubbish in your ear and go again and again and again. Believe me, I know it. I've been there. I've been there. It's been really, really dark. And what I have to remember is when I get to that point, is making sure that I'm surrounding myself in situations where I can't escape the call of God in my life. Even when I can't feel it, I make sure that I'm around people that are going to continue to continually reaffirm me encourage me because I don't want to go back there again I'm not necessarily going into heavy details if you want to go back then I did a preach about a year ago on my history of mental health for those of you who don't know I was diagnosed with depression in 2012 and then finally discharged in 2014 but really 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 difficult and even now I have to constantly reaffirm myself and remind myself I'm not going back there even on those days where I feel really tired even when I feel like oh, this, I don't know what I'm doing I'd like to th say that because I'm a leader within church, because I lead a team, or because I lead worship, and it never gets there. But it happens. It happens. I'll, I'll fully say that in front of everyone. It, it happens. But what I want to share is three practical ways about how we combat that within church. How you can combat that as an indi individual. And if you're not going so through such a thing, praise God, but how you can help someone else as well. Amen. So I've got three practical ways. Number one, recognize when you're burnt out. 
Recognize when you're burnt out. Recognize when you're just tired. Recognize when you feel overwhelmed. Everyone, everyone who works has got this annoying person at work that just loves to complain about everything. Just talking, 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 talking. Their own name is always something like Stanley or Susan. God forbid I say Karen. Like just uh, constantly. On and on and on and on. Finding every negative bit, just drawing the light from I just come to work. Can you shut your mouth? Like what? But the problem is, when you're tired, that person starts making sense. Have you noticed? When you haven't slept, and when you're just you're done with it, suddenly you're like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. You find yourself in the break room having a coffee like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Yeah, that person is a cow. You know what? Yeah, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I'll say, look, if she came in right here, I'll tell her to her face. Yeah, I would. I'm not scared. I'll do it. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Are you with it? When you're tired and when you're feeling overwhelmed, it's really, really easy for those thoughts to seep in. Really, really easy for the enemy to speak negativity into your life. You need to recognize when you're burnt out. So in those moments, get thee behind me, Susan. I don't want to talk to you again. This is not, you're in my space, Stanley. I don't know. This is not. God error, this is holy ground. I don't need you. You need to be able to recognize when you are tired. Recognize when you are feeling burnt out so those thoughts don't remain in your mind. Amen? Number two, you need to affirm yourself within Christ. Really, really practically, you need to speak God's truth out into your existence. When I was a teenager, I did this all the time. My mom used to send me scriptures and I used to stand in front of the mirror, in the mirror. I am a child of Christ. Da, 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 da. And I used to go again and again and again. It, practically, you speaking it out makes those thoughts become ingrained within your mind. You imprint them on your heart. You meditate upon them. So I want to give you three bits of affirmation this morning. I'm not necessarily going to give you the full essay that my mom used to send me. <laughs> but I just want to give you three things to affirm yourself with each day, even when you're kind of feeling down. So, number one is First uh, Peter 2.9, which says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are chosen. Amen? You are chosen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number two, Psalm 62, verse 2. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. You are protected. Amen? You are protected. Amen. Lastly, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You are equipped. Amen? You are equipped. Amen. I had to put equipped in there because, you know, <laughs> on brand. You are chosen. You are protected. You are equipped. You are chosen, you are protected, you are equipped. I am chosen, I am protected, I am equipped. Every single day, I let those thoughts become louder and louder and louder in my mind so that anything that comes before me, I can stand forward 
and make such a clear declaration. I am chosen, I am protected, I am equipped. Everyone with me? I am chosen, I am protected, I am equipped. No thought of the enemy is going to be louder than the call of God in my life. Lastly, it's to praise. Said the worship leader. <laughs> to praise. It needs to be a shout of praise. I'm so ha happy that P Pastor Linda's here this morning. She's always good for a shout, a roar. <laughs> a shout of praise. It needs to be offensive. And I mean that in both sense of the word. It needs to be offensive to the enemy. It needs to make the enemy go and make the enemy scared. This is your offensive weapon to the enemy. It needs to be a shout. When we think about the people, um, when Joshua is leading the people around the walls of Jericho, and they went round seven times silently, can you imagine the faith that was building up as they were going around something like, yeah, I've got this. And then when it came to praise, the shout that must have come out. The word there is actually Shabbat, which means a holy roar. Okay? It's not a, I will never let you go. Ooh. It's not that one. <laughs> it needs to be a roar. Yes! A shout of praise. An absolute shout of praise. A holy roar. Because when there is a shout, there is an activation. There's a faith engagement. You know how hard it is to doubt and shout at the same time. If you've got any doubt in your mind, you like, ah, it's not going to come out. It's just not. You can always tell the person doing the fake shout. Woo. Yeah, come on. It needs to be a culture of what we do within church. That praise needs to be so overwhelmingly offensive that everyone around you ends up joining in. It's really difficult to doubt and shout at the same time. So those two things again. Recognize when you're burnt out. Affirm the call of God in your life and praise. And even those of you that don't necessarily suffer from any form of anxiety or imposter syndrome, those three things are really important for you. So that when you see someone in church just going through it or feeling like that, ah, you help them. You remind them. You recognize when they're feeling burnt out. You recognize when they're feeling tired. You help affirm them. You remind them that they are chosen. You remind them that they are protected. You remind them that they are equipped. And you help them praise. That's the beauty of what we do in church. Because often, how do we deal with mental health now? Let's be real. It's not nice to talk about. I know everyone likes to say it's fashionable. Is it fashionable? Because what will happen often is someone's going through it. They post on Facebook. And then you get people in the comments. Oh, this is so inspirational. Tell your story. Prayer hands emoji. And then the one that's the best friend has to put DM me to show everyone that I'm the best friend. I'm the one that's going to talk about it. So DM me. Quick kiss. 
It's got a bit awkward in the room. (laughs) And we talk about how often are people actually practically helping? Because, yeah, we talk about, yeah, more people need to share their story. Yeah, it's great. But how many people are actually equipped to deal with these stories that are about to come out? Now, I'm not calling you to be healthcare professionals at, I'm not, at all. There are things for psychodynamic therapists to deal with. There are thing, um, things that um, cognitive behavior therapists need to deal with. That's fine. I'm not calling you to be a healthcare professional. I'm calling you to be a church. Just calling you to be a church. Because I've been caught out at times. Especially men are really not good at it. Let's, guys, let's, let's be real. If your boy comes in and like, no, I'm just going through it. Wow, that's that's a lot, you know. It is what it is. Like we got like no, no, stay strong, bro. Like, like I'm I'm with you, I'm with you. Like you gotta take one step after another. You try and come up with something fake, encouraging to try and get anything that's brought me like five minutes out of this conversation. I'm not asking you to be healthcare professional. I'm just asking you to be a church. The biggest thing that mental, I said this last year, I'll say it again. Anxiety, imposter syndrome, depression, the biggest thing it tries to do is isolate you. And the best combatant to that is church. You've got a community of people. They're here to stand with you and to love you. We don't serve in church because, you know, we're doing God a favor. God doesn't necessarily need me to stand here. He doesn't need me to play guitar. I'm not doing anyone a favor by turning up to church and serving. I'm doing it to build the body of Christ. When you serve in church, you're doing it, not about you, but to build others. You're helping set the atmosphere. You're setting the tone so that someone can connect with the Father. You're building his kingdom when you come to church to serve. I don't want anyone here coming with a Sunday face. I won't judge anyone here for coming with a Sunday face because God knows I've done it. 100%. And I'm not even saying that I need everyone to kind of lay themselves vulnerable right now. What I am saying is, when you feel ready, we're here for you. And I mean it. It might not necessarily be me. It might not necessarily be Pastor Barry. It might not necessarily be the person next to you. But there will be someone here. We're here for you. And if you're watching this online and you're thinking, well, I'm watching this at home and this is really hitting me. Just because you're not in the building now doesn't mean that you're disconnected from this moment. Send us a message. Text someone. Text anyone. It doesn't even need to be from this church, but I implore you, do not isolate yourself as a result of this. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Can someone get um, Joe from Children's Ministries just so we can finish up? Once again, I just want to encourage you because I love you guys. So incredibly much. And we'll have people available for prayer after the service, but do not go through this journey alone. And if you feel strong, 
If this is not you, perfect. You're just another person that is available to help. I wouldn't want anyone to find themselves in a situation where they're coming to church and they're still feeling removed from the Father. Can we all stand? Lord, I just want to say thank you so much for your presence here today. Lord, and the fact that your spirit is able to meet us at every single point of our need. Lord, I pray that your spirit is able to be overwhelming even in this moment and take captive every single thought that is not of you. Lord, that people may be able to leave encouraged and joyful as a result of meeting with you here this morning. Lord, I want to pray for every heart that is going through anxiety, going through depression, or going through feeling, going through imposter syndrome. And I just want to stand here today and make this affirmation over them, that you are chosen, you are protected, and you are equipped for every situation. Lord, thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. That we don't need to do everything, anything more than ourselves, but all we need to do is find ourselves within you and allow you to do the rest. In Jesus' name I pray. Every Sunday we like to give the opportunity to anyone who wants to connect with Jesus or wants to connect with the Father for the first time or make a recommitment to God. So with every eye closed, just as we do every Sunday, I just want to give everyone that moment. If you want to signify that by just raising your hand right now. If you want to make a commitment to the Father for the first time or a recommitment. Everyone good in the room? Perfect. Okay, if you could repeat this prayer after me and we'll all pray it together out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift of life. And thank you that I don't need to strive for perfection. But because of your sacrifice, I am made perfect in you. I give my mind and my life as an offering to you. Have your way in me. Amen. Okay, we're going to go out with some praise.